0: Hey, this is on the battlefield. Welcome back. And I'm Father Joseph Collins here with Father Michael Mark and My voice is uh off a little bit today. Huge weather changes here in Wyoming. We go from like 20 degrees in snow to 60 degrees in sun, and we're swinging back to sub-zero uh, later today how's it going there what's, what's new with you
1: uh, doing very well thank you so much uh here in uh nash vegas or johnny cashville or whatever else you want to uh however else you want to describe it things are good we no, we had we had a beautiful sunday yesterday uh we had a beautiful sunday yesterday this is monday morning it is sunny it is warm i think right now it's around 50 degrees it'll probably be up in the lower 60s it's not bad you know, while uh, on the one hand, uh, on the one hand, I do get nostalgic for my beloved and uh, God-protected land of Rochester. On the other hand, it is nice to go outside right now in February and not have to excavate three feet of snow and ice and uh, be able to enjoy being outdoors. So it ain't bad. Man. Um, to let everyone know, they can still find us here on Anchor FM. Uh, you still find us here on Anchor FM, which is our main hosting site that shares out the, to Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, so forth, um, on the OTB Shorts every other week, on uh, Rumble and YouTube, and on Facebook on the Battlefield Podcast, and yes, we are still in route to be picked up by Ancient Faith. So uh, while that is still forthcoming, we will be there, God willing, very soon. So once we are there, that is where you will find us. But until then, we are here uh, holding the line and uh, enjoying spending time with all of you. I think one of the things that I've enjoyed the most about this podcast and the most about sharing this podcast is when I sit down with people who, uh, who've heard it, like, uh, like in the fall, um, you know when I, I, I shamelessly promoted the podcast, right? I, I was at a, I was a speaker at a, an Antiochian fall retreat, and and I you know I was talking to a bunch of the guys. I'm like, you know, there's a great podcast you could listen to, and, and of course it's mine, right? And uh, and a lot of people started listening. A lot of people started following, it, liked it. That's how we ended up doing that great crossover episode with uh, Michael Backleg and uh, Bryce Kirk on their uh, the Domsey Diocese of Miami in the Southeast. Uh, the, uh, a few weeks back. I think I think a month or so ago, we did that with within uh, coming out of chaos. And that was just awesome. I really enjoyed that one of the one of the things that I've enjoyed about sharing the podcast with people is they get a view into our own thoughts. Uh, they get a view into our own thoughts. And it turns out that as human beings, we're all going through a lot of the same stuff. Like they've got some similar thoughts, they've got some similar experiences. There's something there that are, are, you know, the people who take the time to tune in can, can look at and say, Yeah, I'm going through some of those things. I'm dealing with that with my kids or, you know, I've been, I've been feeling that kind of way in my early 40s, or I went through that in my, you know, late 30s. And it's kind of been cool for me to see the just sort of the universality of our experience as human beings and as Orthodox Christians, and then how we approach that and, and struggle searching for the same, some of the same answers. Have, have you gotten a, a sense of any of that dealing with people?
0: Yeah, it's been pretty good. Uh, like having people say, Hey, I really enjoyed the, whatever episode they were listening to that day and, and, and tell me what it was that really stood to, out to them in that particular Podcast and how they've used it in their own lives, or how they've used it in their own thought patterns, and yeah, to see that universality, like you said, has been really good because it, uh, the world that we live in, I think most of us are aware of, is very polarized. There are a lot of opposing ideas that want us to to kind of be brought out of the, a shared understanding of each other and a, and a commonality into these dispersive. Uh, teams or groups or tribes or however you want to phrase it, but having this podcast has really helped me see that those tribes really aren't quite as real as people would have you imagine that they are. It's just polarized thought processes that we fall into. And to have a podcast and be in the center of it, being the one uh, one of the two people that are producing it at this point and, and seeing the commonality has, has been really good. I do have a question for you though. How in the world do you say that excavating 3 feet of snow and ice is god protected? How how can you view those those hard New York uh Great Lakes uh lake effect storms are god protected rather than just miserable?
1: Uh, I I would quote for you first off two things. I will quote for you uh Psalm 149 uh that says snow and rain, hail and ice, let everything that is breath praise the Lord. And, um, I mean, aesthetically it's beautiful. And there's something that happens when you've got, uh, when you've got a couple of feet of fresh snow, like all the sound gets dampened because of the snow. So it's like super quiet and it's, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, The other end of it. And let me tell you this, there's an end of it that is a little bit of vanity. And I'll tell you what that is. There's when you go out and there's, you know, two inches of ice and eight inches of snow on the ground and the snow is covering the ice. So that's the only thing that makes it remotely safe to drive and the snow's still coming down, but your family needs stuff from Wegmans and you go and you brave that and you muscle all of those groceries through the snow and the ice into the car and you swerve around and you get back to the house and you come back into to your house with your, your, your hood And your scarf and everything covered with icicles and snow and you're shaking off the boots in the cold like some great neolithic hunter returning victorious with the kill from the icy shadows it doesn't feel more manly than that i gotta tell you it's it's pretty cool it's like i brought you the spoils of my hunt Sure, it's pre-packaged items that I brought from an upscale grocery store 10 minutes up the road. But it's as if I were a Mongolian warrior hunter tracking deer for weeks that I have brought back to you by the sweat of my brow. And that's a nice little ego boost in and of itself. So the so the Holy Fathers warned us against fantasy, right? <laughs>
0: Here's fantasy. Not, yeah. not really fantasy. Here's a here's a word picture for you. Okay, all of you out there, imagine this. We're going to add this to Father Michael's story. There's three, three feet of snow, deep powder, covering a bit of ice. Father Michael is up to his pectoral muscles in snow at this point. As he excavates the snow to get to the car to head off to Whitman's. May it be blessed. Nana Jogimeno. I knew. Oh, God. I knew where that was going to. I knew it. Why do you think that Scandinavians are so tall? Yes. Look at them. The Swedes, the Danes, the Finns. They're all like, on average, just big, long legged monsters. I was going to blame the Nephilim, but, you know. Well, yeah, there's that. There's that, yeah. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of gimmicks.
1: Yeah. What was the, wait, what was the segue there?
0: <laughs> there was no segue. We just had to force one in there.
1: Oh my God. All right. So, all right. So uh, I, I guess the segue there would have, where were I would have been like, you know, then I go shopping in the icy tundra with my Wedman's brand reusable bags. And that, and that would be like, are they sponsoring you? And that's a gimmick now. All right. Yeah.
0: So on the gimmicks. Yes, which is what well, we the gimmick was about today. Uh, saying that the, that the Scandinavians are merely just satanic spawn, which allows <laughs> them to be. Able-
1: oh, forget about Norway. No, no, no. We're
0: not saying that.
1: We're not saying that. I've. So anyway, so go on gimmicks. Yes. We're not saying that we just never miss an opportunity to
0: throw the Nephilim in there. So go ahead no no that's that's always necessary so what is a gimmick right so if it's a, it's a trick or device that's intended to do something specific attract attention or publicity or business right that's what we are going to be talking about today just the, the use of gimmicks in in society in the church and the unusefulness at times or just the it's kind of sketchy most of the time when we, when we use gimmicks to try to attend, uh, to attract attention to the church, to the things that we're doing. I mean, there's a certain amount of, of advertising that has to be done to get people interested in coming to certain events. But at the end of the day, are we using gimmicks thinking that those gimmicks are going to be the thing that gets people into the church, that gimmicks are missions? or that the mission needs to stand on its own two legs.
1: Yeah. So I've got my, my big problem with gimmicks in the church. I think you said it really well. Like you said, um, we confuse gimmicks with ministry because that is something that I see happen far too often. And I want to hit that from two levels. Like there's the, there's the first real easy level where we can look and say, yeah, that's very clearly there. Um, but then it gets, it gets a little bit trickier to discern, but much more necessary to discern. And the first level is where like, you're really just coming up with the corny gimmick that is essentially bait and switch. And we do this in, uh, almost everybody does this in their parishes. Like this is something that is really endemic across our practice. It's a very North American thing. Um, you know, we're going to throw on like, and, and we're going to throw on, you know, uh, enough cartoon characters, enough, enough cool music, cool, cool ish. It's never cool. Enough cool ish music to where we feel like we're reaching the young people, uh, you know, enough cool, fun games, and then sprinkling just a little bit of Jesus in there to hope that that magically kicks them in, but not too much. Cause you don't want to scare them away because in doing that, we're also, we're also saying like, Hey, we don't think that Jesus is really attractive enough for you to be here. Like, The orthodoxy and the Jesus aren't reason enough for you to be here. So we've got to like crypto slide it in in tolerable amounts with this much more palatable thing that you we think you'll really show up for. Whether that's whether that's dance, sports, games, whatever. And it's not that dance, sports, games, whatever can't have a place. I think it becomes gimmicky when it it oversells and it becomes the focus. So you can you can. I hate that. This. this is absolutely, this is terrible and absolutely true. You can be told by your your people that you're running a tremendous youth program and never teach them a thing about Orthodoxy. Uh, never never mention the fathers, never talk to them about the gospel, never mention Christ beyond the opening prayers, but you got them to all show up here on our property, play a bunch of games, uh, do a bunch of activities, and go home pretty happy. And you, will, you can stay at that church for years doing that. Like, really. Uh, and, and we have, for decades, really run a lot of our ministry like that. And there's this idea, we think, that if we can just get them in the door, they'll catch the Jesus by contagion, you know, uh, by osmosis. And that doesn't work. That doesn't happen. Uh, and underneath that, there is kind of an insidious message, an insidious implied curriculum to, uh, reach back into the grab bag of Dr. Brain from seminary and where we would, where you're basically saying the Orthodox faith is unattractive and unpalatable. Um, we're going to put it kind of like bitter medicine under a spoonful of sugar. We're going to put it all under so much of this other stuff that we think you really want to uh, uh, run enough games, run enough songs, run enough type of music, run this, and hopefully it'll just sneak its way in there. But it, it, it comes, it, all of that starts with the immediate conviction of what we truly have to offer. Our orthodoxy is unpalatable and you won't want it. You won't like it. If we just give it to you, you won't want it, which usually means the person doing that also doesn't want it because you don't treat things like that, that you want. Um, so. Like, I mean, you look at, like you, you don't like, you don't see Coke, for example, trying to make its products less like Coke. They might come up with new varieties of Coke in order to try to just expand their product line, right? Cause you want to do that. You have to have a variety of things going on, but at the end of the day, they want it recognizable as Coke. That was a Coke product. You got Disney, Disney does all kinds of movies. They don't just do animated stuff right? The maniacal mouse has his fingers in all kinds of pies, like, right? Whether it's live action, whether it's, whether it's like, you know, action-ish kind of films, like, you know, adventure swashbuckling stuff, Jules Verne stuff, whether it's musical, cartoon numbers, no matter what it is, right? The, 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 the mouse, you know, the, the mouse is puppeteering so many different things. But at the end of the day, you know, it was a Disney product, right? He, he doesn't want you to think it was someone else's product. He's not trying to disguise Disney as something else. If anything else, uh, if anything else, the maniacal Mr. Mouse is trying to expand the reach of Disney to say, see how far reaching we are. But it comes from a. It comes from a. Uh, an assumed greatness, right? We approach our orthodoxy when we give it to people like we're ashamed of it. Like we're, we're, we're like we're, we're ashamed like, Oh, yeah, we've got this great lunch going on at church, the food's delicious, you might have to sit through this liturgy thing. Um, you know, I'm sorry, but the lunch is awesome. The musaka is great. If we're embarrassed about it, I mean, you'd be like, oh, we're, we're, we why do our kids not care about the faith? Well, you've been embarrassed about it for 40 years and it's been an inconvenience and you haven't wanted it. And so gimmicks are the quickest way. The gimmicks are the quickest way to turn people off from the faith. Um, I got, I have, I, I don't want to, I've got so much to say about that, but I, I've been rambling long enough. what, what have you? What what gimmicky things have you seen in a parish, bro? And um, have you ever seen gimmicks kind of work? Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, gimmicks work to bring people in, but you know, I'm I'm asking myself the question: What is the difference between a gimmick and understanding who you are? You know, like Disney, for example. Disney understands the vision they understand what they're trying to do, they understand their product, and they understand where they want to be in five to 10 years, and they have a plan. And I'm sure that they use, I mean, obviously, they use gimmicks to bring people into the product line. I mean, you can't tell me that a shelf full of plastic toys Uh, that are modeled after a specific movie isn't a gimmick to draw children into the entire product line. I mean, there there is gimmick gimmickry, but there is also an underlying understanding of the product and where you want to be long term. So I think it's really the balance between the two. It's like, why are you doing the gimmick? And which leads me to answer to your question. I've seen gimmicks work when the gimmick is used do something purposefully and then there's also times when like you've been talking about when we use gimmicks as a bait and switch we're really actually quite embarrassed of of this aspect of the church and we're going to just be really soft on this and we're just going to give you that spoonful of sugar to help this medicine go down but that doesn't work because i mean it it didn't work in the past but for some reason american culture american christian culture thought it did you know how many, how many, mainline churches or or mainstream churches have just gone away or gone completely the opposite direction of Christianity because they needed a palatable Jesus. They needed a Jesus that was palatable to people. That, that's not Christianity. And we've said this before, and I keep encountering it, like at a higher and greater frequency, that the the, the young people. are coming into the church and finding orthodoxy, they don't want a dumbed down orthodoxy. They tell me, Father, how do I fast? And if Father Joseph doesn't tell them, listen, this is the strictness of the fast, these are the requirements, and they say, okay, I can do that, I will do that. They don't want the economy, they don't want the gimmick of, oh, you can do what you like, it's okay, it's okay, do what you can. Because that's not a gimmick, that's a lie. That, that's, that's a weak priest who, who doesn't want to offend anybody. And I think a lot of our gimmicks just cover up our own weakness and our, our lack of willingness to offend, our lack of willingness to show the strictness, our lack of willingness to, to not uh, remove a jot nor a tittle, right? That the gospel that we read several weeks ago, he who relaxes even the least of these shall be le- the least in the kingdom of heaven. And we we get that out of whack
1: yeah i think so what happens there and what happens there is it, it's i think we're i think where. not every not every adaptive tool is a gimmick. like i don't think it's the same thing as what i mean at least the way i'm saying it so like to say i think i think it becomes a gimmick when the window dressing uh, when the when the window dressing sort of be, overtakes the substance and the message and um, it really does enter that bait and switch territory. One of the things that I always found most attractive about Eastern Christianity right um, is the fact that it doesn't try it doesn't try to be something it's not historically. Right, it doesn't try to look and sound like the times. It, you're not going to get the the folksy acoustic guitar and the kitschy uh, the kitschy 1950 statuettes, and um, it, you know it's like no, this is who it's right. It, it's the difference between kind of your your sad elderly grandpa who is desperately trying to talk like his teenage grandson. So he's, you know, sagging his jeans and wearing his hat backwards. And, and he sound, and any, any, any embarrasses himself versus, uh, versus your venerable old men, your venerable patriarch or matriarch of the family who it's exactly who they are. They, you know, they had their day They're They're, they are the venerable head of the family. When you speak to them, they have the wisdom of the ages. I mean, they might be fun. You might, there's going to be things you still enjoy doing with them, but they're not trying to be 15. They're 65 years old or whatever it is, and they, you know, they're not trying to go back and be something else. They know exactly who they are, and they're being that. I think when some of these other, uh, I think some of these other examples we've talked about, it's like, like you said, you said it, and you said it right. Like, they know who they are. They know what their vision is, and they keep with it. Well, that makes those things they're doing not gimmicky, necessarily. So, like, I mean, for example, I watched this great video on why Five Guys has been a very successful financially successful burger chain. One of the things they one of the things they do their menu is super small, right? It's just it's like burgers, cheeseburgers, fries. But they've got a vision on quality. They're like, "Okay, well we we're, we're hand forming all the patties in store, we're cutting all the potatoes in store. That's always happening." I mean, and in order to do that, like they you don't see ads. They don't do ad revenue. They don't do there's all this all the extra fluff, gimmicky fluff around it. They just never did. They're like, "We're not doing that. We're going to keep it real real cost real low." simple paper sack great burger now it's fast food right they're not selling they're not selling uh it's not like a sit down at a at um a tavern you know twelve dollar angus burger. but that's not that's not the space they're in that's not what they're trying to do for the space they're in they're like and they stayed on mission they stay on vision and it's working they're successful i mean so I think part of what we, I, but I, I think one of the big dangers, I, I just, I see, I see so it's, but it's so easy. It's so easy to, um, uh, it's so easy to, it's so easy to lapse into getting the gimmick confused with ministry that under the very prudent sounding guise of, hey, we're going to, we're going to reach the culture, we're going to reach the youth, all these things, you end up just doing a bunch of corny gimmicks, and people know they're being pandered to, and they know it's inauthentic, and that's the thing, they know it's inauthentic, and then they don't want that, they don't want to hear that, like, it's okay to be strange, it's okay to have this distinctive orthodox voice and a distinctive orthodox appearance and a distinctive orthodox practice, say, yeah, we're different. This is us. The the yes, the church that Christ founded does not look like the world around it, and it shouldn't, and it never has. Let's talk about why. Because the authenticity, the churches that the parishes that do that, they're bursting at the seams. The, the reality is, you've actually gotta believe in the value of the thing you're doing. Otherwise, you'll try gimmicks. And man, I look—I've seen it so many times. Like you can—you can turn cartwheels and relax everything and repackage and try to look and sound and act um, in you know culturally pleasing ways. You, it gets you nowhere. It gets you nowhere. Um, and it's very dated. What's interesting, the. What's interesting, the um, when you look at orthodoxy where it's maintained that timeless beauty of a traditional Gregorian chant, of solemn Slavonic chant, of all of these things. I'm just, I said Gregorian, I apologize. Byzantine, a traditional Byzantine chant, right? A traditional Byzantine chant, a traditional Slavic chant or whatever. Like, and there's that traditional reverence that just overflows the service. Well, you know, that's timeless. Like it's going to be beautiful, whether it's 1920, whether it's 2020, whether it's 1420. But when you try to when you do the gimmicky stuff, it gets really dated. So something that was like cutting edge and seemed super cool. In 1965. Now it seems really passe and corny. That you know, that you know, the the folksy the the the, the folksy guitar mass, you know, for and, and you, you post Vatican II Uh, Catholic friends know exactly what I'm talking about. Your folksy guitar mass that will make a lot of you roll your eyes. In 1972, that was cutting edge. We're, we're, We're updating and reaching the culture. And we're speaking to people where they are. Until you're still doing the 1972 folksy guitar mass in 2002, and now it's corny. Now, here's the thing. If you're doing that, you're constantly chasing the world, not changing the world. And yeah, we're guilty of that in orthodoxy too. Like I, you know, like you can tell when some of our American church music was written in the 1950s with, you know, here in America in the GOA, you could tell some of it was written in the 1950s to be done with an organ. And it sounds like it. And it sounds like it. It sounds like, Hey, we were trying to fit into 1950s Methodist milieu. Like it, The sound is there. I I, I remember the very first time I saw an Orthodox choir with Protestant style choir robes. Like, why do you have those at all? What are you doing? But we, we always have them. We've always had them. No, you haven't. You've had them since the 50s. And they don't make sense here. But you wanted to fit in. And we did that. So what does the gimmick say? Well, it says we're a little bit embarrassed of this orthodoxy on its own. And we don't, we, we don't want it uncut. We kind of want it covered up and looking like something else. And if you want it to look like something else, isn't that a tacit admission that you'd rather it be something else. Um, and the people you're trying to reach, will pick up on that and say, we're going somewhere else. You don't believe in your product. And, and, and I, I hate cults with a passion. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not like, uh, I'm not, I I mean, I I look, I I have, I treat everyone I meet with, I endeavor to treat everyone I meet with respect. That's how my father raised me. Uh, But, you know, I believe what I believe. I'm not like, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a universalist or a humanist or anything like that. I, I believe what I believe. I believe it's true. I stand by it. I'm going to treat people well, regardless, however, comma. What a lot of other groups who do way weirder stuff and are flourishing, what they have is they really believe in what they're proposing. It's like, yeah, they're like, yeah, here's a super weird ideology that we have and some super weird practice, but they're unashamed about it. And so all that stuff is not a gimmick. It's like they really, well, once you stop believing in it, And you turn it into window dressing, it turns it into a gimmick. And you have, as St. Paul would put it, the form
0: of godliness, but you deny its power. Yeah, the the thing that I see most being gimmicky, like in my experience between the East Coast and out here, is when the thing that fuels it, I think, in in the Orthodox circles that I've run in, is, is what I said before. It's it's a lack of vision and understanding who who the community is, because the the communities that I served in New York and the communities that I serve here and the communities that I see around me here, they're you they're they're unique, they're individual parishes with a bunch of unique people in them with a very unique clergyman at the head, leading leading the way, and. The moment I think that I can go 100 miles down the road to, to, to Denver or, or go to a parish in Chicago and say, hey, look, they're doing this ministry and it's working. We're going to take that and we're going to superimpose it on Cheyenne tomorrow. That's a gimmick. It's something that's really working in Chicago because of a very specific demographic and a very specific a set of strengths and skills that have been developed or seen or by God's grace are working there. But that doesn't mean it's going to work here. And then, and then when we start doing that, we just, we're struggling, you know, the, the parish is struggling wherever you are, or the group of people is struggling to get ahead and we're not seeing growth. So we're just gonna pick and choose a bunch of cool stuff that looks like it's working over there at the the Baptist church. And the Lutherans are doing something awesome over there. And the Orthodox in Miami are doing this. And we're going to take a, and, and bring in all these different things. And we're going to superimpose them here and believe that they're going to work and just be busy about being busy with all of our cool gimmicks that are going to bring people in and it's going to be awesome. And our church is going to grow. That's, that's the gimmick that fails because it never took the time. The people never took the time to say, who are we? Why do we exist and where are we going? And from that place, develop ministry that is yours and owned by you and driven by the people within your parish, you know, Um, and people come and go. I've seen ministries that really, really worked well because there was a group of people that were on fire for that ministry and they understood it and they were good at it. They left and the ministry died.
1: You know, we, i uh, sorry to jump in on that, but that's definitely, that's, that's definitely a major component and that can lead to gimmick, that can lead to gimmickism, if we can call it that, uh, gimmickry, 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 uh, coming out of mimicry of the good old days. So, um, like we actually had, uh, there's there actually a little bit like back in, in Rochester, there was a period of time, a block of time. Where you had like just the right combination of college kids slash young adults like just the, so there was like a really strong ocf a really strong college group um for like a block of years and it just happened to be the right combination of of, of people you know there was a charismatic uh young man who was a student and he his group of friends and And, and they, and he was really good at organizing these other kids and he was well liked and they were well liked. So what it turned into is for that block of years that they were just kind of spearheading thing. Like it was a great ministry and it it was, it was a great ministry and it really was. But once that group of people graduated, it just, you didn't have people with the same buy-in and commitment, which meant you didn't have the same results. And what that led to is like the, I think the first two years we we're like trying to bring it back. It was, uh, there was a lot of mimicry, like what, what worked three years ago? Why was that working? And you, you couldn't replicate it. You couldn't replicate the success because the secret sauce was the people involved. It was com- ultimately was commitment. It was conviction. It keeps coming back to that. It's a, it's a really simple formula. Commitment and conviction. There is no... Um, there's no replacement for it. It really isn't. And you can right. try to you can try to imitate that, and you and then you just end up doing gimmicks. And it you can tell when it's empty. You just
0: can. Yeah, it's like what do you want to be? It's like I think it's just I I really believe that the reason that we do so much of this nonsense is because we don't understand ourselves today. And like my our parish here in Cheyenne is very different today than it was six months ago, a lot of different people, there's more children. So what what we're what we're doing today and what we're doing tomorrow has to be plastic, it has to be flexible. And it has to be able to, to minister to those people who are coming through the door without being, this this static. Oh well, well we borrowed this from down the street, and 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 we're we're you know it's just otherwise we it becomes a panic, a panic to just do as much ministry as possible to cover all the potential bases and just do all of that ministry haphazardly. And to do all of that ministry with no thoughtfulness activities, and just
1: not ministry, just activities
0: busy, 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 busy. Look at all the busy things we're doing. Look how active we are. We're doing all this stuff for God. We're doing all this stuff for his glory with no thoughtfulness whatsoever. It's just being busy to be busy for busyness sake. If we could use that word busy one more time, I would have. But it and that's the gimmick. The gimmick is we're busy, we're doing all this stuff, we're 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 borrowing, we're using. Look, we're 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 assimilating to the culture, and we're using best practices from up the street, at at the at the Methodist Church, you know. I mean, it it it's a lack of thoughtfulness for me, and that's why we use the gimmickry. It's a lack of self knowledge. I just keep coming back to that because that's what I think it is.
1: Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I think it, it boils down to a lack of self knowledge. I think it boils. I, I, I it boils down to a lack of self knowledge. Boils down to a lack of conviction. What's really interesting is what I've seen. What I've seen when I see gimmickry in the like the like, for us in the GOA, like one of the biggest gimmicks that gets oversold in its value is basketball. Oh my God! I can't tell you, and it's. Oh, they were so infuriating because like at the end of like, on the one hand, like if you're getting together with your high schoolers, it's not bad to like, it's like, Hey, at some point in all this meeting to have some fun, there's nothing wrong with also shooting a little bit of hoops with the guys. Like you can't just sit down and have lectures all the time. It's okay to also have a good time. Like, but notice the word also. Also like it's not the main thing you're doing, but I guarantee there are so many places in the GOA where you can run you can, you could can run your whole youth ministry as just basketball. Just hey, we got boy, and you will be applauded as doing so much for the youth. And what I've really found to be the most true is that the people who ask for the most gimmickry, make no effort to read up on their faith like i have yet to meet someone very well read in their faith uh does their day does all, all the daily prayers you know keeps up on the daily readings like just super locked into the faith who's also saying hey what we need here is more gimmicks what we need here is more fun basketball stuff." like not not once not one time and so you've got a lot of people with a lot of opinions about what the church Ought to be doing, but they make no effort to know what the church believes or practices or does, and they're really not interested in it. So if you say, "Okay, great, yeah, we'll do basketball this time, and next time we're doing, uh, we're doing, we'll teach them how to how to put together a vespers service, and you know we'll have a meal afterwards and kick a ball around," their kids won't be at that meeting. They won't bring their kids to that one why you've decided right like you've decided like hey we don't really think this is worthwhile well then why are you coming to a church
0: Uh, and and but what does the basketball represent
1: you know modernity
0: i think but does it only represent modernity does it also represent coming together as as a unique people group with a, with a shared faith of some sort? Is it, is it, could we also look at it as potentially an opportunity for, for community? An opportunity, you know, like one of the big pushbacks, like to keep the basketball the way it was out East was uh, some of the priests were like, the, basketball is my only opportunity because of how these kids live. It's my only opportunity to see them and try to impart to them Jesus Christ. Which, you know, it's a gimmick, 100%. They know it is. They know that it's a gimmick. However, without the gimmick, some of those teenage kids will never darken the door of that church. They will never have any one-on-one contact with the priest except on Pascha and Christmas. And they realized that and they said, what do we do? What do we do i mean and that was a genuine question where they where they know that they're using a gimmick they know that it doesn't really work however
1: well i guess i mean i guess in my and and that's and that's legitimate but what you've got there what, what the real answer to that is the families need to change the parents need to change where they're saying hey this is important Clearly, this yeah. is what we do it's you know and and the kid those said kids live with the families you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna overcome that. So the families really need to change.
0: But- That's our pushback on the gimmick of Sunday school. It always has been, yours and mine. It's like Sunday school is a Flintstone vitamin. Oh, I get your kid, you know, however many hours there are in a week, what? 106, 148 or whatever. I I won't know the difference. 168 hours in a week. Sure something like that. And we have them, and I get them for 20 minutes.
1: Even if you got them for an hour, it's a drop in the bucket. It's, and it's a drop in the bucket. It, well, you know, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So here's what makes it so I I, I will quote him. I want to give him credit for this. Uh, Steve Christopher came out with a video last month-ish, maybe the month before, um, where he talked about youth ministry not existing. And he's right. And, and what's interesting, he, of course, has made his, career, right? As a youth minister guy. And he, but he's right. He's like, there's not he's like, youth ministry doesn't work like where you're trying to do things aimed at like youth style, kid style, like grandpa trying to imitate his, his teenage grandson doesn't work. What does work is if you're just doing excellent ministry, and your target demographic happens to be youth. So that works. So you can do excellent ministry and hey man, the target demographic that this excellent ministry is geared towards is going to be you know, eight year olds, 10 year olds, middle schoolers. That works really well because the front and foremost thing is we're doing excellent ministry. Now, what's the best way to do excellent ministry here with you? And I think this goes to your question about like, what do you do with these kids? Um, who in an upstate, you know, who in a like back east, you know, there's a priest rightly says, Hey, you're not wrong. This is gimmicky. It's not even ideal. I might not even like it. But I got nothing else to work with. And I found myself in that position, upstate and down in Florida, a lot. Where it's like, this is all I've got to work with. Um, I, I think two things, right? Like, to a degree, it has its place. Like, again, there's nothing wrong with having other activities. It's what makes it gimmicky is the the oversell the overvalue, the bait and switch. So you start to build those relationships. I think it really helps One, one piece of advice I got is to make those non spiritual specific activities just kind of standalone things like, hey, Today, we're like, when I, um, one thing I used to like to do with uh, my Goyans, my high schoolers back in Rochester, one of our, and we used to invite our sister church up the road. Um, In June, there was a place out on around the Bay, and they had some marshes, and you could go kayaking. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I you know, it wasn't like a gimmicky kayaking for Jesus thing. It was like, Hey, we're going to get together here. We're going to kayak, and they're going to have pizza at, at Miss DeLu's house. I mean, like, that's what we did. That's today. That's what we're showing up to do. Um, you know, obviously, I'm your priest. I'm here. Who knows? We might end up talking about some stuff. We might not. Like, the, right now, we're showing up to kayak. That's what we're showing up to do today. But when we're showing up to talk about Jesus, we're showing up to talk about Jesus and it helps a little if you create them as their own moments. Now you, you might get one of those guys say, "Well, I have no other moments." And I guess all you can really do and I found myself trying to do this too is like try to you know, move the needle in a direction where you've got enough of a relationship that you can maybe transform that activity a little. It's it's you know, I feel for the priest in that situation because you're you're put into an unideal scenario, and you're expected to work within it. And and you can ultimately only work with what you have, and you might not get an ideal thing. I'm just challenging the people. I don't have to sell our brother clergy on what we're talking about. Like, we all know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I'm kind of challenging our lay listeners to approach to change the way they approach ministry and activities in church and the way and the message they're sending by saying, Hey, you know, we're going to put all this window dressing around. Well, why is it because we don't really think your orthodoxy is attractive, we want them to do this? Um, You know, I mean, heck, man, I had I had one of my down in Florida back back in the day, I had one of my um, uh, my ministry heads, it was a, you know, it was a a younger kids ministry, like, you know, elementary school age. And you know we're having we're 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 having kind of a, a little movie night and a uh, an evening service was going on and so like you know the mom said hey let's let's bring some of these kids in to at least get a little bit of the church and we can talk like it was really good and there was actually some parents that got upset parishioners why uh well I dropped I dropped them off to, to participate in this ministry, not to go to church. Well, look at that. There's a I part dropped them off. I dropped them off to participate in this ministry, not to go to church. And when you gimmick up enough, ministry, fun time activity, and church aren't even, after a while, they're not even in the same sentence. Look at that. Um, that's the problem. That that's where it goes too far. It's not that you can't shoot some hoops with the kids every now and then. That's not a problem. That's not gimmickry. Um, but that what that example I just gave. That's a great example of when that happens. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, but it, it boils down to attitude. It boils down to being ashamed. And guess what? Uh, as orth- Let me tell you, the churches that I've run into that I see very little gimmickry on, um, I'm going to be straight up with you. Um, you know, it, it, I'm going to say something that absolutely pains me to the core. Um, the, less, eh, the less ethnic you get, the less gimmicks there are. Plain and simple.
0: You know, why do you think that is? I was sitting here thinking about that before you said it, but why do you think that is?
1: I think it's because I it's so like, so both my wife and I, um, well, both my wife and I are on the spectrum of immigration. Like, I'll put it that way. My wife, here, here's, so here's, here's why, here's why I say that. Here's why I say that. My wife's an immigrant. No, I, my wife, wa- so my wife is an immigrant, right? So when, when we, we got, you know, when I brought her over with a green card, she she was a naturalized as a citizen in uh, February of 2019. She was eligible way before we just, it's expensive and we didn't get around to it till then. Um, she had a 10 year green card and like, well, when that, that came up on expiring, it's like, well, why renew the 10 year green card? Let's just get your passport. She's an immigrant. My parents are immigrants my parents are the ones who came over. i'm first generation my parents are the ones who came over um my both of my grandfathers i'm sorry both of my grandmothers maternal and paternal grandmothers did not speak good english like very little english um my grandfathers did because they enlisted and had to figure it out but my grandmothers didn't so I'm first generation, that's why I say spectrum. I'm not an immigrant, but my parents were. My parents came over. Um, My wife is an immigrant. So my kids are kind of first generation-ish through her, right? So there's a thing that happens in a lot of immigrant populations where you want to assimilate and you feel kind of ashamed of being different and weird. And I think that worked its way into our orthodoxy in America where we we already don't understand the faith we're already maybe not the best well read and then we're kind of ashamed of our long weird last names and our funny foods that no one can pronounce and and this religion that doesn't look and act and think the way that stuff that's quote unquote normal around us does and we want to fit in and that desire to fit in overtook us and i think that's why i think that i definitely think that's why i think that we You know, it's that kind of that experience of being afraid to be different, being afraid to be unique. And what's interesting is it swung back the other way. So, like people now, like in the '50s, you definitely didn't want to stick out. Now, people definitely want to stick out. I like my kids. They go to school, and there's all these kids coming from, like, for example, Muslim families, and the moms are dropping them off at school wearing, you know, wearing the head scarves and the head coverings, or you know, they're from their family, their grandma, you know, their, their, their parents come from like India and they're wearing like traditional, like there's a whole bunch of people not ashamed to be authentically who they are. Why should we be ashamed of our orthodoxy? We're still learning kind of a 1950s, like, um, scared to be different thing, man. That's not reality anymore. What's interesting when you pull, when you pull people, you and my age and down, that's the coveted demographic who are still into church what they're in the the what they're into are places that traditional authentic worship still has its integrity so like if you go to roman catholic communities guess what um you know the 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 masses that are bursting at the seam are traditional latin masses
0: yeah there's a huge latin right, uh, kind of tratty Catholic church, mm-hmm. not all that far from here, maybe an hour, yeah. packed Yeah, on all Sunday right. mornings with young people. Yeah. But the Novus, uh, the Novus Ordo churches are empty.
1: Right. Why? Well, it's because they're saying, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it authentically. Um, when you look at the Orthodox parishes that are packed, there's like no gimmicks. Like seriously, if they're not in, a, in an ethnic pocket where there's just a feeder population, there's just solid preaching, solid music. You know, we got, we have, we have choirs that like, you know, they they can't perform the music they've always had. And then you get these people who convert into the church and they've been in here for, they've been Orthodox for two years and they can do solid Byzantine chant like they were raised in it. Right? So don't tell me you can't do it. I mean, you, you, you if you want to, if you have a desire, it can be done. So they, but then you look at these communities that are orthodox communities that are bursting at the scene, solid catechesis, solid teaching, solid preaching, solid worship. And it attracts people who are saying, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it authentically. Um, you know, I, I spent the, the last, like yesterday, I filled in at a, a small church up the road here in Tennessee. Um, the priest was, was out on vacation. I filled in. Um, and I should put small in air quotes, right? Phenomenal liturgy, phenomenal music, you know. All converts, and guess what? They 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 do their Sunday school during Orthros, so everyone's there for liturgy. Um, they do pre communion pre communion prayers before Orthros, and people are there, and 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 guess what? The whole thing of oh that's so early, I can't get up and make it. Oh, nah, these kids are, <laughs> these kids are at Sunday school at eight forty five in the morning, and guess what? The, the packed house. It was 100 people there, and like 60 of them were kids. And I mean little kids. I mean toddlers. I mean six years old. It was kids running around everywhere. It was all young families. All of like, It was a packed house of young families and little kids who all got up bright and early on a Sunday morning, and church was enough of a priority to where we're learning at 8.45 a.m., and then we're all here for liturgy, and no one's in a hurry to leave. Well there was zero gimmicks. Not one gimmick in the whole place. Why? Because everyone there just says, Hey, we believe in the integrity of the thing we're doing and we're providing this excellent thing
0: and we believe it can stand on its own. I'm gonna to have to say this, a lot of that falls back on leadership, whether the clergy or the lay. But it, it and and it's not and, and it's a, and it's it's leadership of expectation. I think. Like, I made it. I made it very clear to to our. We had a, a a youth group meeting yesterday of like the teen, like Goya aged kids. You know, from our Goya has some younger kids because we have a small pool of teenagers. So it's like eleven to sixteen is the age group. But anyway, it was like I made it clear to them. My expectation is that you fast according to what the church prescribes. And, and if you can't at home because of parents or scheduling or because you're at this event and there's nothing else to eat other than spaghetti with meatballs that, that's one thing I mean culture doesn't always give you what, what what we need according to our fasting if you're if you're doing something in culture and all there is is meat to eat you make your cross and you thank you say thank you God for the food and you don't let your fasting be known but but the expectation from me is that you fast strictly according to the church's prescription. But that's a, that's leadership of expectation. And I think that's what you saw yesterday, that it's expected that if the church is open, you're there. And that, that becomes the standard. Rather than dumbing the standard down and saying we're going to do all of these gimmicks, we just have strong expectations that are led by the priest led by the parish council led by the ministry heads and and we go forward to be the best that we can be at our own level on our own on our own footing rather than what the expectation of culture is or the expectation or the hope or the whatever like we've been talking about for the past 45 minutes yeah i i
1: agree with you it's i think expect expectation does create a great deal of leadership i like the way you put that I I really like the way you put that because, but it's that, that expectation of leadership boils down to what I was saying earlier, conviction. Do you believe that we genuinely have something incredible and life all changing to offer?
0: Right. Right. And And it's, and it's vision. Like I said, too, It's like it, it affirms both of what we've been saying. It's like it means that the priest has and that the leadership has a clear vision of orthodoxy, has a clear vision of what's expected of them, and that those expectations also apply to you and that that's how we're going to live.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and and a clear understanding of what it is like. Like a, a lot of the what if questions I get around fasting can really boil down to, you know, well, you know, under non-ideal circumstances, do the best you can. Like really, it's like, well, what if my doctor says I've got a, you know, I I need to eat a piece of toast. Well, have your piece of toast and come to communion. Like, like I, you can tell people like, look, you do the most you can, Um, you know, under ideal circumstances, this is what it is. You fast according to your strength and your medical guidelines, and you'll still get the same bevy of what ifs, it's like they all boil down to the same thing: do the most that you can in integrity. Um, but it's like it's the integrity, it's the it's the, you know, what is it that we're really trying to accomplish? And we're really trying to do it. And then how do we go about doing it? Um, like really, what is the most you can do? And I mean, look, if you're, and 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 then just be honest. Be honest with yourself. It's like look you say, you know what, it's, you know, it's a fasting day. Um, I'm, you know, I'm having a cheese sandwich. I'm having a cheese sandwich. And I could have just had like, you know, an avocado sandwich, but I'm having a cheese sandwich. Oh, well, I mean, just be honest about it. Like, that's what I did. I didn't fast strictly today. I fasted something. I didn't throw meat on there. I fasted something. I didn't fast strictly. Okay. Well, I mean, fine, you know, like that's, that is what it is, you know, but just be honest me like, Hey, here's the most I could do. Here's what my circumstances allow. Here's what I did. And just be honest. And, and say, Okay, well, given that, you know, spirit, go to your spiritual father and say, Hey, well, given that, you know, what's the best way to navigate my spiritual life from here, here's where I am. You know, you don't have to come up with excuses for it. You know, sometimes but some, yeah, sometimes there's mitigating circumstances. Great. I mean, Saint Porfidios, um couldn't stay on Mount Athos because his health was so delicate. The doctor said, "Listen, you need to be out in the world and uh, where you have meat and other sources of protein. Your health just really won't allow this diet." He's a saint, like. But again, it's he was doing a hundred percent of what he could do. Um, I, you know, it, it's it's. A, but you can explain it. You will still get all the what ifs well, why? So I, I think, I think part of the leadership of expectation, I think far too often the, the Martha, Martha of being busy and of feeling like we're accomplishing some things because we got a bunch of stuff on paper, but none of it's being done. Well, we're not focusing on quality, because quality would involve taking a hard look at myself and how I'm doing things and why I'm doing. things. Um, I think a lot of that I think a lot of that boils down to in some way, shape or form, too many of us feel like what we're doing as Orthodox Christians is a nuisance. And then too many of us in leadership are afraid to let those people walk. Um, like we kind of feel like oh if we don't keep these people, we'll never get anyone else. Well, not true. I mean that little that little church I, I just filled in for yesterday, bursting at the seams with nothing but young families and children who definitely could make it to church on time, who didn't have any problem wrangling their five kids each to church on time first thing in the morning with and no pews.
0: So also standing, no complaints. I have a, I have a, a question. Okay. Or at least let's, yeah. let's look at this and and kind of, get draw some conclusions like what, what, what's negative about gimmick gimmickry what's positive about it how do we avoid it you know um i think it, on on certain levels we, you have to have some some hooks right it's just american culture because if you don't do a good job selling what what it is that you're trying to do because american culture is all about time a look at what, what does Facebook want, what does Meta want, what does Google want. They all want your time. They want your clicks. They want your attention. So the church is constantly fighting for the attention of its people. But I think it's important to evaluate and understand why we want their attention, how we want their attention. And once we have their attention, what are we going to do with their time? That's. I think it's important to, 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 for everybody listening, for us to to evaluate that because it's like, time is such a precious commodity for every generation, but it's particularly ours. I mean, look at commercials today. A, a three-second commercial without any words is as packed full of meaning and symbols and content as a thirty-second uh, commercial was twenty years ago. I mean it's pretty wild how, how short and compact our, our attention spans have become. So on some level hooking people and getting their attention is important, but what do you, why are you doing and what are you going to do with the attention once you have it? Think about that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I guess, and this is, I actually, so a minute ago I, oh, when I, a minute ago, I forgot kind of what I was saying and, and I remember it now, but the, the reality is it's like it's we can't be afraid and think, oh, we, you know, this gospel is so unattractive that we can't get new people. It's like, no, it's like, OK, well, if you don't want the gospel, if you don't want the orthodoxy, there is someone who does. And let's give it to let's give it, you know, like it's so we, we can't be ashamed and think that there's no one who would want what we're offering. And I think that's a big problem. Uh, what what is gimmick? Your question is a good one. Like, like what what's good about it? What's bad about it? How do you avoid it? I think. I think the the upside to gimmickry, like let's let's, like let's play a little devil's advocate. Is there an upside? There there is actually. The upside to it, is it at least it involves. A conversation, like to even get started with a gimmickry, a gimmick, I have to ask, well, what might you like? Which means I've got to get to know you a little bit. I've got to at least have some bead on what your interest might be, and how I can meet that. Like that's so. That's not bad. Like wanting to have a conversation, wanting to know where someone's interest can lie, and then if there's a good side to gimmickry, it's saying, well, how do I communicate in a form that is intelligible to you? Oh, that's effective communication. That's not gimmickry. So there's some overlap. Like if this was a Venn diagram, there is some overlap, right? Like it's not all, it's not all neatly compartmentalized out. There's kind of a Venn diagram overlap to where you're looking at uh, dialogue and effective communication, and then a circle of gimmickry. And some of these things are going to overlap a little. Um, so what's good about it is it, it at least recognizes, Hey, you have interests. I need to know what they are. And if I'm going to communicate, it needs to be in a form that you'll understand. Okay. That part's good. Um, I think we've, I think we've said plenty about what's bad, right? You know, the, that the, you know, you've got the, you kind of get the, uh, window dressing overtaking the, uh, the substance we've, and it really boils down to: I'm ashamed of this thing that I don't really think is that great. Um, and how to avoid it? I think the best way to avoid it, man, is it's it is conviction. It's like do if you believe, if you believe, you have something spectacular. Then hang your head on that. If you believe that your that orthodoxy is in fact the true church and the true faith. Hang your head on that. Don't try to make it something else. And if you're having to do gimmicks, because I I wish we would take this as a whole, but it's as 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 an archdiocese, as church as a whole, I wish we would look and say, man, if you really don't believe that, then it's okay for you to leave. Like, go ahead. And we will find people that do want to accept the gospel on its own terms. And they do want to accept the face of the apostles on its own terms. And they'll do it. Okay, you know, and I understand you'll take your money and your checkbooks, and that's all right. You know, they'll bring theirs, but we're going to remain faithful to the Holy Spirit. I I wish we did more of that, but we're afraid to let people walk. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting because when Jesus, uh, in the famous Eucharistic discourse of John's Gospel where Jesus says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life in him. He who does not does not have life in him. He didn't say it's a symbol and a metaphor and do this optionally. If you feel like he said no, this is my flesh and blood. If you drink and eat of it, you have life in you. If you don't, you don't have life in you. Not very optional language. Anyway.
0: Um, I've read I've read this scripture many, many, many times in my life, in Genesis, where Melchizedek is on the plane. Mm-hmm. What was his offering? Bread and wine. Bingo. Yeah. I, I, I've seen that. I've, it never really clicked until just recently that he offered Jesus, according to the order of Melchizedek, offered bread and wine.
1: Yeah. yeah. Come yeah. on,
0: guys. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but but to, to the point, right? So what's interesting is the text says, as soon as he says all of that, that he who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has life, he who does not does not, and it says, and the crowds left him. The crowds left him. What did Jesus do? He didn't chase them. He didn't try to explain. He didn't soften his message. He didn't clarify. He didn't do a sensing session. He didn't do damage control. He let them walk. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, Will you leave too? Now thankfully, Peter replies, Where will we go, Lord? You alone have the words to eternal life. But you know, if he had said something else, Jesus was about to find, he was just about to find 12 different disciples. We don't have that boldness anymore. You know, we're like we 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 chase, we gimmick, we beg, we cajole, we make, we make fools of ourselves embarrassing ourselves to try to do cartwheels and cajole people who over and over say they are not interested in the gospel. But what about the people who are? like expend yourself on the people who do want the Orthodox faith in the gospel and guess what that, that, that little church I filled in yesterday like after coffee they are have, they've have like a huge amount of property like they're I mean like like land they're on a very open spate of land. And there is, in fact, as I was leaving, no one was in a hurry to leave. People are outside eating coffee. The kids are running around, you know, and they're throwing frisbees and yeah, in the parking lot, there's a basketball hoop and a couple of the guys tossed, were tossing the ball around and on my way to the car, someone passed me the ball. I tossed it a couple times. There is nothing gimmickry in that. Yeah. I, I think the way, I, I think the way to avoid it is like, we got to be able to say like, listen, we got to be so locked into the mission that we're like, Hey, this is the mission. And if you're not on board, that's okay. Someone else will be. Um, and that's not a pill that most of us want to swallow. Um, so someone else will be, I mean, like even Simon Sinek who does great talks on business, uh, you know, he had his heyday with start with why back in the like 2012, 2011. And even he says, he's like, look, you don't want to do business with everybody. You want to do business with people who believe what you believe. And we are trying to force people who don't believe what we believe to want to deal with us. Well, like, no, how about we just get people who do? I I think that cuts down on the gimmicks pretty quick.
0: It sure does. I asked one of the senior priests that I served with uh, in New York, um, who had a lot of experience and still does. What's the most important thing that you've learned in your ministry? I said to him and he looked at me and he said give your time to people who want it and and that's exactly what you're just said and and I think that we as a church and we've said this already in the past hour that but but that's why we want to be busy who are not content just to let the people on the edges l- loose we, we have to be busy to keep everybody involved and keep everybody on the same page when that's unrealistic and entirely unuseful because it just burns out the people who are invested doing the busy because you just become so busy doing all the busy work that, that you get burnt out on behalf of these people that just really don't care, that are only involved to the degree that the thing interests them or floats their boat this week. And you have to become okay with not doing those gimmicks and letting those outliers remain outliers in the hope that they come back in but that but that by just kind of you know the shun in in a way by shunning them a little bit that they either come back or just kind of go away until they're ready to come back. but we as church have to be willing to Cut those sorts of gimmicks. Those are the bad gimmicks. The ones that we do just to involve everybody because we feel bad that they're not involved. That that that's a trap that we can't fall into. But but this this takes leadership, this takes vision, this takes authenticity, and it takes hard work and and resolve, I guess we could say.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. And and I think that um I think what makes it scary for, I think what makes it scary is, you know, your bottom line's gonna get hit. And you're you're gonna, and it's gonna hurt, and people are gonna be angry at you. And um, you might, there might be some period of time where the church is a little emptier. Like all that is, uh, all that is real stuff that will happen. But what, at the end of it, what you get is, first off, God provides. So the bottom line, is going to work out. Second, you you will then have people in church who want to be in church, and I can tell you there are there are I, I can think of a handful. I don't want to name them, mm-hmm. but I can think of a handful of parishes. Uh, you know, ones in California, ones up in Utah, a couple here. that All started very small, and are bursting at the seams. And with young families and with bursting at the seams, people who were not previously Orthodox and so forth and so on. Why? Uh, the one thing all those places have in common is they are all unashamed to be Orthodox. They're all very, they, they they pride, you know, good teaching and authentic doctrine. And they're doing, they, they, they're, they're not trying to be something else. They're, they're, there's no gimmicks. And it's like, hey, man, if this isn't what you want to do, it's all right. But this is what we do here. Um, and they don't budge and because they're, and because they are locked in to the vision and the mission and the quality people get on board with that. Um, that this, this, this half-hearted soft sell doesn't work, um, to borrow a line from recovery literature, half measures availed us nothing. We thought to find, and, and that, and that whole part in, in the literature starts out by saying, um, we sought to find a gentler, easier way, but half measures of us nothing. We spend too much time trying to find a gentler, easier way. It's like, stop it. Stop it. Because at the end of the day, like people who know they're getting a pandered to gimmicky, watered down Christ offering, like they don't want it. And, you know, they're kind of right to not want it. Because it's not honest. Like, yeah, be honest. And there, and yes, it's just we hate being told no. We, we hate disappointing people. We hate being rejected. And so it's, it feels good to have just bodies in the seats. But man, when you don't have the conviction to go with that, it means nothing. Uh, and I, I, you know. Yeah, we could go on with examples, but yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think we got to start to we got got to start letting we got to start being ready to let people walk.
0: I, I, I how can you, I mean, on any great team, any great team, the leaders are always willing to let the weakest links either pull their own weight and work towards being better. We're off the team. You know, there, there, there is no equality. There is there is no gimmick uh, to, to winning. There are no gimmicks to winning. It's hard work. It's high expectations. It's knowing where you're going and where you want to be and yeah. doing all the full measures that it takes to get there. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to be on that team. You're going to get cut. There's only so many players. It can be on an NFL, NBA, NHL, pro soccer team. There's only so many players and who do you want to be do you want to be on jesus's team or are you content just doing all the busy stuff to make it look like you're in it all the way
1: yeah and i mean the, where the metaphor breaks down is like there's not a limited number of spots in the church like you know it's not like only 144,000 of us are getting in that's not how this works right there's a there's a there's an unlimited amount of space in the church for everyone who will enter in right there's a, there's no limit in the kingdom of heaven for how many can enter in um you know and if and if you found yourself oh, but are you working hard to be on the team or not yeah yeah are you doing this th- well are you doing the thing like he says you know hey he who puts his hand to the plow and he who sets his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me if your hand causes you sin cut it off if your eye causes sin, pluck it out there's not a lot of half measures in that um, but, you know, and if you find yourself and, and our, the saint, stories of our saints are replete with this, if you look at your life and you find yourself not having um, struggled worthily, quote unquote, we'll fix it. Like start, like start now, start making a better effort. Like like repentance counts as, uh, 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 genuine repentance counts as righteous faithfulness. It's like, look, I've been, uh, you know, and it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like any of the saints, if you read the writings, like, look, if you've been, you know, indolent or slothful or whatever else, if you, you know, it's it's fine as long as you stop, <laughs> like, stop. Okay, if you see that you've done that, then correct it, and now it doesn't matter. Now you put that behind you. Never think about it again. Once the Holy Spirit in confession says uh, the great, once the once the Holy Spirit in confession says through the words of the priest. The grace of the Holy Spirit through my insignificance has you loosen and forgiven. Once you hear in Holy Confession that the Holy Spirit has loosened and forgiving, never give it another thought. Forget about it. Maybe you did that. Okay, remember the lesson, but move on. It's done. It doesn't matter now. What matters is, what have you decided to do in the faith of it? Now you've decided to do something better with your life, to pick yourself up, to live as a Christian. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's what we want. We're here for you all day long. So come and do it. It's really not, and it's really not that hard. It really boils down to, you know, it boils down to heartfelt integrity. Like here's the, here's the Orthodox Christian faith. What is the most I can do and how best can I live this? And, you know, and how best can I live this and continuously behave as an Orthodox Christian? Well, guess what? So guess what? If I've got a prayer, so here's, here's, here's another side to this. Gimmickry can also be overdoing it, mm. and unfortunately, we've got to we've got to end on this right because we got to hit it down. But let's end on this. Gimmickry can also be overdoing it. So if I think what's really going to make me super orthodox is wearing the part and having the world's you know most glorious beard, I can't grow a beard. I really can't. I have terrible facial hair. I wish I had better facial hair. I think a, I think a great beard looks awesome. Um, I just I don't have the genetics for it but man if i think that what's making me orthodox is the beard and the combo and i'm yeah i'm going to wake up every day at 3 30 a.m to be at work by six but i've got to get in you know my the monastic you know like a monastic style length prayer rule but i'm not treating my wife and kids well i'm not patient with the people under me at work. I'm not reliable when I show up for work. When, like, when, you know, if your three-year-old tugs on you and you don't, you can't be bothered because you've got another canon to say, and, and, you know, Hey, you know, daddy's like, if that's also gimmickry because you're putting on the show and the spectacle and the mask. Like, the fruits of the spirit in your Orthodox life should be pouring out. So like, man, maybe get like an extra hour of sleep so that you're a decent Christian human being to these people. Like, that's the thing that St. John Christum says is like, Hey, uh, if you don't eat meat, but you slander your brother, it would be better to just eat the meat, you know? So guess what? It's like, yeah, you may be putting on all the airs and all the trappings, but if you are not, if you are not bringing the fruits of that spiritual life out into your daily life, you're wrong and you're gimmicky, and and it doesn't matter that you're looking really busy. You, you, you're doing, you're you're missing something essential. And go to your spiritual father. Now, I appreciate that you're putting in effort, and you're putting in serious effort. That's to be commended. But something's wrong. Um. So it's like, yeah, man, you should it. If, if you find yourself turning around after a very saintly session in your icon corner, screaming at your kids, you should pause and say, what went wrong? There was a disconnect somewhere. And then in repentance, you fix it. What's the disconnect. I mean, I don't know. That's where you talk to your spiritual father. It may be time of day. Maybe you need more sleep. Maybe, maybe your rules too long. Or maybe you just need to break it up differently throughout the day there could be a a dozen solutions but are are you are the fruits of the spirit playing out in your life a little bit better than yesterday that's it
0: thank you father michael um thank you everybody for joining us today you can as we said earlier you earlier you can still find us on anchor at on the battlefield. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, all over the place. You can find our shorts on YouTube and Rumble. And thank you everyone for listening uh, so faithfully. And check us out on Facebook at on the battlefield podcast. And uh, also leave comments there or on the, the YouTube and Rumble feeds. They're very much welcome your comments and ideas and thoughts. Uh, and we appreciate them very much. Uh, Thank you again for being here with us today. May God bless you out there as we continue on the battlefield.